Today's episode of Clip City is brought to you by Robinhood. With Robinhood, you can invest in stocks, options, and ETFs right from your phone. You can even spend and earn interest on uninvested cash. And with fractional shares, you can buy stocks in any amount, including companies like Apple, Amazon, and Tesla for as little as $1. And that's no commission fees or account minimums. So whether you're new to investing and ready to learn, or just looking for a better experience, stop waiting and join the 10 million Robinhood users. Listeners, you can get started with a free stock by going to clipcity.robinhood.com. That's clipcity.robinhood.com. All investments involve risk. This is not investment advice, a recommendation, or solicitation of any security. Other fees may apply. Visit rbnhd.co slash fees. The free stock program is subject to certain limitations. Annual percentage yield, APY, on uninvested cash is paid by program banks and is variable. Robinhood Financial is not a bank. Welcome to a new episode of the Clip City Podcast. I'm your host, Yovan Buha, Clippers beat writer for The Athletic. And I am joined today by my producer, Mike. Mike, how are you doing? Yovan, I'm doing excellent. I think uh, I'm in a little bit of a different state than you are because you've uh, just <laughs> released a pretty big story and I haven't. So how are you doing? Uh, I, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Uh, it's been a weird 24 hours. Uh, it, it is weird to cover a team and release a polarizing story, uh, you know, somewhat of an expose uh, about the team and, and kind of deal with uh, some of the fallout from that. But, um, you know, we wanted to do a podcast talking about the story, um, talking about some of the themes we touched on with the story. And I, I think the biggest thing, uh, you know, my biggest takeaway from the piece I think Sam and I really tried to hammer home this this point with our reporting, with our sourcing, and, and just kind of the way we presented the story. Um, I, I think the the overall theme of the story is the integration of of culture, that you know the the merging of culture as we have it in our headline um, from last season's Clippers group to this season's Clippers group, and it has not been a seamless process. There have been some bumps in the road. Um, I think anytime you take a group that did things a certain way um you know as we mentioned it was kind of an equal ecosystem last season uh within the locker room dynamics uh now you add in two superstars there's going to be um you know some some a a little bit of conflict a little bit of disagreement a little bit of tension and that's normal that that happens across locker rooms you know all across the nba all across sports but what Sam and I tried to do was uncover some of what has bothered the Clippers, um, you know, within the last few weeks, some of the tension that they've dealt with and where they are now and the progression that they've made um, since kind of this, you know, boiler moment of, of Montrez Harrell speaking out after a embarrassing home loss against the Memphis Grizzlies. I mean, kind of what led to, you know, what led to some of the tension up to that point, that point, and then what has happened since then, um, so that that was really the goal of our story, and um, you know I think we did as, as you know good of a job as we we could with with the information we had and and were able to get, and um, you know I, I think the people that actually read the story and didn't just react <laughs> to 
the aggregation or the headlines or, or tweets they saw um, actually understood that and, and understood that there, there was some positive stuff, there was some negative stuff. And overall, we just tried to paint the most accurate and fair depiction of the current Clippers situation. Right. And I think that's sort of, I mean, you, you are more in this world than I am, but that is sort of like a tragic consequence of this type of journalism, which is like you and Sam wrote this story that really put under the microscope what it's like when you're integrating not just like one superstar, but two superstars into a team that didn't have them before this season. Right. And particularly two sort of awkward situations. You have Kawhi with his injury management. You have Paul George coming back from an injury. So you guys are Again, kind of pulling that out. You're talking about the awkwardness the team is going to, and then, but, but the notification that comes out is from various other media outlets is like the typical thing you would find. Like sources say things aren't great in Clipperland. Um, but I think your story paints a wider picture about that. But if I could, I kind of want to go all the way back to the beginning. So for people who don't remember, what did Montres Harrell say? Because at the top of your piece, you talk about Doc Rivers. Um, kind of singling out Montrezl Harrell for what he said to the media at one point during a game, after a game. What did Montrezl Harrell say like that, that kind of got the ball rolling for all this? Yeah. So this all started, you know, my interest in this story um, really was around that time at the turn of the new year um, where on on January 4th, uh, following a 26 point home loss to the Memphis Grizzlies in which people forget like, the team was booed twice during this game. The Clipper fans do not boo the Clippers. Like that's just not their style of, of fandom. Like they're not, it's not Philly. It's not New York. It's not Boston. Like they, they don't boo the, the home team like that. And I think that really, you know, kind of struck a nerve within the team a little bit in just kind of their performance. And after the game, Montrose Harrell addressed the media for three minutes and kind of lit into the team. And, you know, um, I can't, I can't recite the entire three-minute thing because we have it in the story if you want to check it out and, and watch the video. Uh, but, you know, essentially, you know, simple questions about effort and, and chemistry and, and, you know, cohesion on the court led to these long answers from him that were almost like – it was almost like he was venting, getting stuff off of his chest that he wanted to say about the situation. And he, he talked about, you know, I don't know – someone asked him, what's the vibe in the locker room right now? He's like, I don't know. And that might be a problem, you know, right there. Someone asked him about how they bounce, you know, how a great team like the Clippers bounces back from, from something like this. And he's like, you know, that we're not a great team. You guys got to stop saying that. Um, and just kind of lit into the team's effort. And um, so to me, like, it, it just didn't read as a situation, you know, just a normal postgame frustration situation. It, there, there seemed to be a little extra something there. So, I started to poke around a bit and, and have conversations and um, you know, it just kind of universally w- was agreed upon from the, the people I spoke with. Like, yes, there's tension in the locker room. Now things are kind of awkward. Things are kind of weird. And that's why this team is kind of going through this weird up and down stretch. So, um, you know, started working on the story with Sam and, and he had conversations. I had more conversations and we, we, you know, spoke with um, as we stated over a dozen people, I think it ended up being around like 15 different people um and you know we we got to a point where it was just like when everyone is saying the exact same thing and it's parties that in some cases are related and in some cases are not related um you know we feel very confident in our reporting um you know of of what we reported and i I think 
that that was kind of what sparked it. What was Trez's comments, the tension, and just kind of hearing from people like, yes, this is ten, you know, this is something that people are feeling. There's an awkwardness with the team right now. That there are just these weird, you know, converging dynamics right now. Um, so that was kind of the genesis of the piece, and we tried to also convey that within the structure of the story. Yeah, and from what I, I mean, I from what I got out of the story. Correct me if I'm wrong, and I will ask you to literally say what you think out of it. It's like it seems like the biggest source of tension is that there's an uneasiness among the roster, and the fact that like you do have Kawhi's injury management, and you, you this team has never really been fully cooked. It's still it's as if you're making a soup or something, and the main part of the soup, whether it be chicken, if you're making chicken noodle soup, Kawhi is the chicken and he has been taken in and out of the pot consistently throughout this season. He is not fully integrated with the team just because of the way that he plays and the way that injury management works. But what would you say, what is the source of the tension or the uneasiness? Is there one thing or is it multiple? I I think it's multiple things. I I think as you touched on, um, you know, Kawhi's injury management, I, I think there's a general, um, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to go as far as to say the word like ignorance, but sort of like miss, I guess, misunderstanding of injury management, load management, that whole situation. So I think as you've seen publicly across the league, anytime a player talks about it, they are pretty critical about it. Like no one has really come out in support of load management. Um, so I, I think that sentiment is kind of a thing where some guys are kind of like, they, they don't get it or, or they, they just don't like it or, you know, and I think in Kawhi's defense, he is injured. You, you know, the, that was, that came out from the league itself. Um, you know, the, the Clippers uh, didn't exactly want that, you know, to, to be you know, public knowledge um, as they did not disclose that. And, and then the league kind of forced the, their hand and uh, announced it. So I think, you know, to Kawhi, you know, again, in Kawhi's defense, like he's dealing with injury and from our understanding, he cannot play, you know, back-to-backs, and that's just been a, a doctor-mandated thing that, that's been the case up to this point, uh, you know, all season. So that is an element of it, but I think, like you said, this team, you know, they had a front-loaded schedule. They had one of the most difficult opening schedules in the league. They had the most back-to-backs to start the league, um, or to start the season, rather, and they've had all these injuries, and I think, you know, it's, it's one thing if Kawhi is, is just in and out with, with his injury management, um, and, and the team is healthy, but when you have Paul George missing the first month and now missing the last two weeks, uh, you have Lou Williams has missed some games. Patrick Beverly has missed um, now 10 games. Um, you know, uh, Don, like Landry Shamit missed 17 games. Shamichael Green missed 12 games. Uh, like you, Rodney Magruder missed nine games. Like you've had all these key, you know, top, their top 10 rotation players, you know, half of them have basically missed double digit games or more. Um, it, it just kind of creates this weird lack of cohesion. And Doc has talked about it, lack of continuity. Uh, they don't practice much just because of Doc's coaching philosophy. I think that's a factor, too. Um, as we report, um, there's a couple instances in which practices or you know, walkthroughs were canceled and, and players felt that had come from Kawhi, um, and it, it upset some people. So I think there's a lot of factors that contribute to it um but it's not i don't think it's a situation that's going to necessarily cripple or or crumble the clippers i don't think it's it's something they can't you know withstand and get over like these things happen in locker rooms 
Um, I, I just think, again, we were trying to uncover and kind of, you know, discuss what is going on. You know, what are some of the te- points of tension? What are some of the points of conflict? And, and really just, you know, sort of, expo- you know, expose it and show it to people, of, of, you know, illuminate it. This is what's going on. Um, so, again, I, I think some of these things are minor, but when you have multiple minor things, it kind of becomes a bigger thing. Um, and, you know, I think that is, you know, that's just kind of what the teams are dealing with. Now, again, I think things have, have trended positively. They're six and two since Trez's comments. Um, they have played a pretty easy schedule. So I am interested to see what happens tonight versus Miami, what happens against the Lakers next week. Um, they, you know, they, they do have a bit of a harder schedule coming up. But um, I think there's a lot of factors that kind of have played into this dynamic and it is just to me something to watch with this team moving forward because, you know, I was being asked for two straight weeks, what's going on with the team? Is there a lack of chemistry? Is there a lack of cohesion? Like something seems off. And this was the answer. This is what was off. This is what has been off. And, um, you know, again, I know fans don't love hearing negative stuff about the team sometimes, <laughs> but, um, you know, Sam and I stand by what we reported and we're very confident that what we reported is true. So in the story, there's some good stuff because like with Kawhi Leonard, there's a history of a lack of communication, like literally not much of a speaker, right? And that's kind of become part of his meme is that he doesn't speak all that much. And you had a really good point about what it was like when he was a Raptor and how there was a moment against in a game against Atlanta right after the trade deadline or right around the trade deadline where um, it wasn't a back-to-back and Kawhi seemingly suddenly decided before the game to not play this is again when he's with the raptors the raptors were down a bunch of players because they made a big trade that sent out four players away from the team so you know it could have been nice to have Kawhi leonard on the floor it's a game that they ended up winning as you ordered the piece but as a clipper and and from everyone you talk to how is the communication of Kawhi? Kawhi to the team, Kawhi to the rest of the, like literally the team management and the players has been with his injury management process. Has it been clearly defined or is it still a mystery of when Kawhi is going to be playing certain games? Well, so I I would say, I think it is a little bit of a loaded subject where, you know, like there are the HEPA laws um, or HIPAA, I don't even know how to say it. Um, where like you can't really talk about injuries, like, like disclose a you know a workers medical injuries and, and history and stuff. So I think there is like some kind of element of mystery around some of it. But I do you know I, I don't know exactly how it was communicated to the players. Um, that was not made clear. But I do think there is that th- there is that sentiment kind of of like again kind of going back to what I was just uh, discussing. Like if there are you know if if there are a couple guys injured. And the team is a little bit shorthanded. And then you have Kawhi sitting out a game that might rub some people the wrong way. Cause they might just, you know, they, they kind of feel, well, you know, I, I get, you got to rest, you got to take care of your body, but like, we need you tonight. Otherwise we're going to lose this game because you know, this guy and this guy are out. And a lot of times it's been Paul George, it's been Lou Williams, it's been Patrick Beverly, some of the, you know, the key guys on the team after Kawhi, uh, so I think that has been a little bit of a, a point of frustration and, and tension. Um, now, you know, I, I think as for the, the injury management itself and, and kind of like, again, Kawhi is dealing with this. This is a legitimate thing. He has a legitimate excuse to miss games. So I don't know if maybe it needs to be re kind of, um, you know, uh, explained or, or just kind of 
um, explained in a different way. But I, I think th- this definitely is a point of tension. Where I, I, again, I just think if you look at the public comments players have made on it, that you know their private uh, comments kind of match that to an extent where it is kind of like, you know, is this guy picking and choosing when he's playing? And, and I think. As someone who understands the injury management and, and, you know, kind of is a proponent of of just load management in general, I think guys should rest. I I think guys should take care of their bodies and and preserve themselves. Like, I get it, but, uh, you know, it does seem clear that, you know, not only do some players not get it, clearly, like, you know, a lot of fans and and just people who are are consuming this stuff don't really understand the kind of intricacies of it, um, where, you know, again, the guy guy is on doctor's orders not to play back-to-back, so... Um, if he does, he is potentially risking making his injury worse, which if the Clippers don't have Kawhi Leonard, uh, there is no championship. There is no, you know, there's going to be a very quick playoff exit if there is no Kawhi Leonard or if he's, you know, severely hampered for any reason. So I I think for, you know, for the team, their priority is keeping Kawhi Leonard healthy, keeping him happy and and content with, with, you know, they don't want to force him to do anything he doesn't want to do. Um, which again, you know, maybe gets into some of that preferential treatment, um, you know, chatter. But um, I think ultimately they're they're doing the right thing with how they're handling the injury situation. Is there something in the so the begin? I mean, you, you cover the team, so that you've basically been reporting the story. You or you've been gaining knowledge about the team the entire season. So it's not as if you flew in, you know, and started covering the team two weeks ago and decided to drop this big piece. But you know, so you've been covering it. But is there anything? <laughs> since the idea that you would say there's something going on here, there's some chemistry issue. Is there one thing that was surprising to learn from all the people that you talked to? Is there one thing that you, not necessarily a game changer, but you know, something that stood out to you in this reporting process? Yeah, I would say it's the detail I reported uh, or, you know, Sam and I reported about um, Montrez Harrell and some of his teammates feeling like he can be, um, more kind of more, more interested in, in his own production and, and stats than, uh, you know, basically the outcome of the game sometimes. And I think that that was kind of surprising to me to hear, um, you know, obviously that that is a subjective thing that, it, that is something that, um, you know, but, you know, I heard it from multiple places. And um, I, I think that kind of goes against maybe like the public image of Trez. Um, you know, he is, you know, someone who comes off the bench and, um, you know, seems to be a, you know, he's a a energy guy, a hustle guy, someone who, who seems to put the team first. So to hear some of that stuff, I thought was a little bit surprising. Um, you know, he does put up big numbers and he does seem like someone to an extent that is concerned with that, but to kind of, you know, that's kind of almost my read on it from the outside, but to hear that internally was a little bit, um, you know, surprising to me. Outside of that, I think everything, you know, was kind of uh, face value. I mean, I guess some of the uh, sort of ego stuff where it's like, I think a lot of the way people thought this was going to go is you're just taking this roster full of role players and egoless guys and incorporating two stars and it's going to fit perfectly and and they're just going to go on and be an amazing team and, and win the championship. And that still might happen. And they have been an amazing team to this point. You know, they're a top three seed, top seven in offense and defense. Like they've been uh, really, really good, you know, an elite, a clearly elite team up to this point, as I've talked about on this podcast many times. Um, but I think there is a little bit of that ego stuff behind the scenes where, 
you do see some preferential treatment. You do see, um, you know, just elements of some of this stuff that, that kind of rubs some guys the wrong way. So I, I do think kind of learning that everything I had already picked up on some of the stuff, but just kind of learning everything wasn't hunky dory in the locker room, I guess overall kind of, um, surprised me a bit with, 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 you know, some of the reporting with this, but overall, I think some of the stuff has kind of been out there. You know, the team has, has kind of danced around some of this stuff and, and talked about it publicly. Um, you know, we just kind of took it to a different level of explaining some of the tension that was clearly out there. You know, again, this has been something that I've been, you know, asked about on a daily basis on Twitter from, from Clipper fans, um, you know, what's going on with the team? Why do things feel weird? Uh, so Sam and I wrote about it. We had kind of uncovered what some of those things have been going forward. If, you know, if you could, if a Clipper fan came up to you and they read the report and they said, yo, Vaughn, what am I supposed to think about all this? What am I supposed to think about my team? What am I supposed to think about, you know, the long-term goal, the whole reason why Kawhi and Paul George are playing for the Clippers is to win a championship. When you have those two players, those are the type, you know, you expect that type of uh, finale to your season is maybe winning a championship. So what would you tell someone be like the ultimate takeaway from this story is what, what, what should someone take away from it? I think the takeaway should be that the Clippers are a work in progress. Um, and if anything, I think that should make fans more optimistic that they have dealt with some of these things behind the scenes and they've still been, you know, 31 and, and 14, you know, third best record in the West. Again, I just you know, listed some of their credentials. Um, and I think the ending of the story kind of ends things in a, a little bit of a more positive light where I think that Memphis loss and just kind of the tension around it and, and that had been building up to it really was like a self-reflection moment for the locker room where, you know, they were able to, you know, since then, uh, you know, there was a players only film session or, I mean, uh, a player's film session with doc where, you know, six of the guys, Kawhi, PG, Lou, Trez, Pat, Mo Harkless met with Doc for three hours, had a film session with him. Uh, then, you know, since then they've had multiple players only film sessions where, where you know, they've, they've had honest conversation and, and dialogue with each other um, over, you know, in between the, the Met, because, you know, they had the Memphis game, then they had the Knicks game, which they barely beat the Knicks. Then they had four days off. Over that period, they went to dinner, um, you know, they went bowling together. So I think the team has kind of realized, like, we have some of these issues. We got to work through them. We got to resolve them. We got to acknowledge them and not just let them kind of simmer below the surface. So if anything, you know, I would say, you know, the, the, where things are now, you know, the team isn't playing better. They're, they're trying to work through these things. They're trying to patch up whatever kind of tension there is. So I would walk away from this kind of being a, a bit optimistic. Now, again, like, they could go on a three or four game losing streak and some of these things could, you know, rear their ugly heads. Like Treads can make another comment or, or someone else on the team can make a comment or, you know, we could get word of, of different stuff that's going on that, you know, points to this stuff is still an issue. But um, I would say overall, like, th you know, this is just kind of a story about the journey of the Clippers up to this point in the season, what they've had to work through. Um, and, and ultimately, they are a work in progress, but they are getting better. And, and I think that, if anything, you know, should be encouraging for our listeners, for our readers, for our subscribers, and, and for Clipper fans overall. So hope you guys enjoyed this discussion. Um, as always, 
uh, you know, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter or Instagram at Yovan Buha. Happy to answer any of your questions um, about the story or just in general. Uh, but, you know, I love interacting with people. Has been a little bit of a weird 24 hours uh, where, where some people have not been too happy, but um, I think this will pass and I think you guys will continue to enjoy um, the, the non-chemistry related stories with this team. And hopefully you enjoyed this one. And I did get, um, you know, a lot of positive comments, a lot of positive feedback. And, and for those people who, uh, you know, read the story objectively and, and enjoyed it um, and reached out about it, I, I appreciate that. Uh, thank you for reading. I thank you for subscribing. Um, so if you're not a subscriber to The Athletic, you can subscribe at theathletic.com slash City. That will help me. That will help this podcast. Um, again, I think you will enjoy the podcast, you will enjoy our content, and you will enjoy our NBA content overall and just kind of all of our content at The Athletic. Uh, so thank you guys for listening. I will be back next week.